Hi, everyone. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 48. I'm Tim Constanza. Anthony Kepley unable to join us today. However, the podcast goes on as we have a very special one for you. This is a high school football preview show as we have interviews with those who are covering the sport around the valley. You'll hear from Steve Ruman, James Dotson, Ray Reinstorf, Ron Patessa, and Jim Craven. So sit back, relax. It's going to be a little longer pod than normal. However, a lot of great information about high school sports in Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania. So let's kick it off with one of my good friends who's covered high school football in our area for many years, as long as I've known him, Steve Ruman of the Youngstown Vindicator. Okay, now joining me on the phone is Steve Ruman from Youngstown Vindicator. And Steve, another high school football season is about to begin, the fastest 10 weeks of the year. How did you prepare for it this year? Did you uh, take enough time off to get ready for football this season? Oh, uh, we're always ready. It's amazing how quick you say the fastest 10 weeks uh, of the year, which it is. But, man, this this uh, summer was pretty fast as it was. So, uh, you know, we really didn't have time to prepare. It just jumped right at us. It certainly did. And it starts this Thursday in Niles as uh, Jim Perry makes his debut as head coach of the uh, Red Dragons. Take a moment to talk about the Red Dragons and the new look under uh, – Head coach uh, Jim Perry. Definitely will be a new look, and it's funny because I was just talking about that today, about how, um, you know, it's going to be kind of strange to go to Bo Ryan Stadium this this Thursday night and see the Dragons actually get into a huddle and, and you know, um, take some time in between plays and whatnot. It, it will be a new look offensively for, for Niles. Um, just, just I think he wants to slow it down and wants to get a little bit into more of a, of a conventional um, offense. Um, from what we've seen in the past, so so that's going to be kind of unique with, with Niles this year. And, and you know, I, I just I hope, and I think they will. I hope Niles fans gives gives Coach Perry a little bit of time because uh, that program you know has been struggling the last couple of years, and it's not going to be turned around immediately. It's going to take a couple of years. So uh, you know, I, I think he doesn't want to use the term rebuilding, obviously, but this definitely is a work in progress. I know they're looking at uh, two different quarterbacks this year, and uh, Jason Gibson, the six foot, one hundred eighty pounder, and the sophomore uh, Zach uh, Leonard. Uh, any idea if you'll see both of them, or is it uh, maybe the senior has uh, taken control? I I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them. And and you know, we I've been hearing so much about Zach Leonard, you know, since he was in eighth grade, and I, you know, he's only a sophomore, uh, but. But they, you know, a lot of people have been touting this, this what is now a sophomore class since since they were junior high, um, and and he was one of the big reasons. So I I I don't think, you know, Coach Perry said that there was no clear cut winner as far as the quarterback was concerned, and, and you might see them both. And I I do think that's going to be the case early on until you know one of them jumps out and is, establishes themselves. And of course, the running backs they got a couple returning, and Rob Saban he had a. Some big games last year, late in the season, when they uh, defeated Jefferson and Edgewood. Uh, throughout the season, he had a couple of big runs. I imagine they're looking to kind of feature him this year. Oh, absolutely! And and uh, you know, he he came out as a sophomore and really really played well, even as a sophomore. And in last year, um, and and it'll be interesting to see how he does Thursday night because against Gerard, he had a he had a really solid. I, I want to think he ran for like 150 plus yards last year against Gerard. Uh, they just they, they they just couldn't do anything to slow down Gerard offensively, and I, I think that you know you might see that again this week. But but yeah, Robbie's uh, 
uh, definitely one of the better backs in the area. As we go on looking at some of the newer coaches in the area, take a moment and talk about the Howland Tigers and the change in coaching staff there. Uh, Steve Boyle, you, you talk to him, he's so excited to be back. He's, an, he's a Howland graduate, uh, been gone from the area for a while, and now he's back. And he's so excited to be back in the community and just getting a lot of support. Uh, and, and again, here, here's another case of, you know, give the guy time, especially, especially in this situation because Hallen's, you know, they're, they're, I, I will say they're kind of in a rebuilding mode. And, uh, I think that's going to be a couple, couple years down the road for them to get back on track. But, but I, I, I like what Steve Boyle is doing there. Uh, out of out of forty four area coaches, he's he is the only uh rookie head coach this year. We have eight coaching changes in the area, but he's the only only one to be coming in with uh no head coaching experience at the high school level. Wow. It's gonna be interesting as they open up against uh, Lakeview and of course uh that is uh uh Port Lansky land and he's been there forever. Just talk about uh Lakeview and the Bulldogs and what do you expect to see out of them this year? That's that's another and that, that's a tough game to gauge. I mean, last year, uh, you know, it was a four point game. Helen Helen prevailed twenty three to nineteen, and then and then Lakeview went off and you know ran off nine straight wins. You know, Coach Pavlinski pointed out you know what they lost in offense, which they did when you leave uh, you lose uh, Rogers, which was one of the better quarterbacks in the area uh, and a three year starter. Uh, that's that's tough to replace. They they did lose a lot of weapons, but I, I I do think I think they got just enough to come back. They got they got a pretty strong senior class, and and with Pavlansky, you just you know you never you never count Lakeview out. I mean they haven't had a losing season since I think it was two thousand and one. Uh, you just you know he always finds a way. He always finds a way. Yeah, well, with one hundred and twenty what twenty four wins in his career. Not a big yeah. surprise. I mean, he always, his teams always seem to be ready to play. Let's talk about a team that's had a, a kind of a rough run uh, the last few years, and that's champion as they open up against Kennedy on Saturday. Uh, what's the news for the Flashes this season? Um, again, you know, there's, a, there's, you know, and you saw a coaching change during the off season. Uh, a lot of young kids on on that squad, and then and then they got to open up against JFK, which is going to be a struggle for them. This is just a program. They haven't been into the playoffs since 1994. Uh, it's it's going to take a lot of work and champion to rebuild there. And talking about their opponent, JFK, uh, obviously one of the premier teams in the last few years in uh, Trumbull County. They have been. And, and, you know, you look at their schedule, they play a tough schedule year in and year out. Um, you know, opening with champion, then, then they got they got Gerard on the schedule, they got Lakeview on the schedule, and then they go into turn, uh, league play. Um, and I just, you know, I, I think that schedule prepares them for, for, for the playoffs. Uh, you know, last year, you know, four and six, yet, yet they still managed to get in. And, uh, that was coming off of the, the state championship from, from the year before. So, uh, they, their numbers are about where they were a year ago. Um, they got a nice core of, of returning players. And of course, you know, we've, we've been talking about coaches. They got one of the best in Jeff Bayak. No, without question, such experience and being able to do everything he has done throughout his career, the different stops that he's had. Uh, as we continue through the All-American Conference here, uh, take a moment and just uh, what what's your thoughts on uh, Gerard and Liberty this year, and and you know some of the teams out of the blue tier. 
I, I really, and, and, you know, Liberty's not gotten a lot of uh, publicity, and, and they probably like it that way. You know, they were a team that started out slow last year and then went on a major roll and ran off, what was it, eight straight wins to, to, to make the playoffs. You know, they, they lost a good chunk of their offense, but, um, but, but they're, they're going to be very competitive this year. Gerard, obviously, with what they bring back, um, I, you know, there, there's been people in Gerard waiting for, for 2018 since Mark Wade was a freshman. And, uh, you know, they, they lost Belsick as a receiver, which I think, I mean, he was a huge, huge part of that offense last year. But, um, I mean, other than that loss, they, they got their whole core back on offense and, and, and a lot of those kids also play defense. I just, I, I think they're going to be a beast to deal with this year. And, uh, LeBray, I really like LeBray. Uh, you know, they, they return a three year quarterback and, and a lot of skilled players. I, I think LeBray and, well, Gerard, Gerard's got Hubbard in week two. That, that's going to be a huge test because I, I think Hubbard, Hubbard and McDonald, we'll get to them, I think, are the two elite teams in Trumbull County this year. Um, but, but Gerard and Hubbard's going to be huge in week two, and then Gerard's got LeBray in week nine, and I really think that's going to decide the, uh, you know, the bottom tier of the All-American Conference. You know, as you wrote in uh, one of the previews uh, I was reading uh, this week, talking about uh, McDonald. Uh, they're going to the spread. Did I read that correctly? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to hard to believe, isn't it? Um, I haven't seen you know I haven't seen McDonald run anything but the wing tee since since literally. I mean, it was it was the mid '80s probably, maybe earlier than that. And uh, and Coach Williams even joked about you know how he, that that's what he ran when he was a quarterback in high school many years ago at McDonald. Um, but I think they just felt with with the with, with with the talent they have, and you got Selly and Cintron back in in the in, in you know in, in the backfield, um, and they're going to put Selly at quarterback. And and I think you know people hear spread and think, oh my God, McDonald's going to throw twenty five thirty times a game, and that's not the case. But they're just looking to open the field up, and and with you know the many athletes that they have, you, you're and, and and with with the talent of Selly uh, able to 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 throw in and run. Uh, you're just going to give a lot of options to that offense, and, and I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of a lot of the playmakers get involved, whether it's running or throwing. But it's it's pretty, it's it's a huge, you know, it's a drastic change for, for McDonald. I, fans aren't used to that, but I, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna like what they see. And you know, McDonald they bring nine back on offense, nine back on defense from a team that literally was two plays away from going undefeated last year. Um, and, and the fact that they went eight and two and didn't make the playoffs, this, this group has been hungry all year long. Yeah, there's no question. It should be a fun year in Trumbull County and, and throughout the Mahoning Valley, uh, this year watching high school football. We can talk on and on about every team in the Valley, but I'll tell them just to continue to read you on the uh, internet and on the Vindicator. But I do have one question I want to get to you because you follow this, uh, more closely than probably anybody else in the Valley. Uh, what's going on with a competitive balance issue now that the injunction happened down in Cincinnati? That's I'll tell you what that that's some that, that's a goofy situation there and a, a headache for for the OHSA especially this early or, or uh, rather this close to the um, to the season. But the, but they filed the injunction. It definitely it didn't overturn the ruling, but kind of put it in limbo right now. And, and, you know, it was all brought on by, by a couple Cincinnati area schools. 
you know, if, if this holds through through the season, you you could see. I mean, I mean, we might have some change of conferences or um, change of the divisions, change of regions in, in mid season, and that that would throw the computer points out of whack and and the regions out of whack and everything. So it's definitely something to keep our eye on over the next month or so. Yeah, because what I was reading, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Steve, is that, that the OHSAA basically stated that they're not going to keep Cincinnati different from the rest of the state. They would enforce it throughout the state to be fair, and I think that's well, a great decision. But I don't know yeah. if they're going to be able to do that because of what you just mentioned because of the entire divisional setups. Well, and as they, they were kind of stuck in no man's land when that decision came down because what do you do? Do you only enforce it, you know, to these schools? And like you said, it's, it's not going to be fair to the rest of the state. So, so they went the other route, which I, I mean, logistically, they, they're, they're doing the right thing under the circumstances, but at the same time, it, it could create a, quite a mess, you know, if, if this holds up. Well, we'll see where this all leads. I hope in the end it doesn't lead to separation of a uh, private and and uh, public uh, divisions in high school football because I just I would disappoint me tremendously as a football fan, and uh, as you know I went to public schools and I always had the firm belief you just line up and play your best and hope for the best and uh, and be prepared for a game and I know that's kind of old school thinking but in the end that's really what it matters is how you prepare for a game and how you uh, how you succeed in that game. Yeah, I think I think we're getting closer and closer to some some sort of separation and you know like you I don't want to see that obviously but um it just seems like you know there's there's something different happening every every year that's that's just leaning it that way and um I, I think it's only a matter of time before before some kind of change is made I, I'm not sure that it'll be very you know drastic to where it's total separation but I, I just think something's going to be done uh, because there's, you know, there's there's not a lot of satisfaction right now. Yeah, and open enrollment is not helping uh, with all the uh, confusion and the animosities you're getting between communities, you know. And locally, you have that, you know, with Liberty and and Gerard and other uh, communities talking about, you know, how certain players and certain teams and even certain communities are losing uh, funding, and it's it's going to be a a very Tough battle, no matter how the uh, high school athletic association handles this, and of course, and just politically span, standing across the uh, the state, because there's going to be a lot of, uh, I think, upset people, no matter what the decision is. Yeah, and then and then you know when you it, it, if it does go that route, you know, public versus private. Now, I, I mean, you know, with open enrollment, you're having a lot of conflicts and a lot of uh, you know ill ill feelings between. Between just communities now, you know, we we've seen it with Gerard and Liberty, um, with, with with some, yeah, and 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 you 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 know, um, and so I I think you know it's it's going to carry over, um, to to an open enrollment issue if if they do go that route. That's why I think they got to be careful in, in how they do this. And and you know, to, to the OHSA's credit, they are they are trying to. I guess even out things, you know, what with competitive balance, but I'm not sure that their idea of competitive balance or their, you know, um, their blueprint of it is on the mark either. So it's it's just a tough situation overall. You know, and Ohio's not alone. I know Pennsylvania is going through the same type of situation. 
uh, with their competitive balance uh, decisions right. that, that they made. And I know other uh, states are, are having the same issue. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the OSA uh, decides to uh, handle this and move forward and see if they can find a new system or a new, uh, uh, I don't know, arithmetic method to uh, get it done properly. And I wish them well because, like you said, it's not an easy balance to uh, to really walk. Uh, because uh, you're going to upset somebody along the way. There's no question about it. Absolutely. Steve, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast here today, and I will see you uh, during the season of high school Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure we will cross paths uh, probably many times between now and November. That was my conversation with Steve Ruman from the Youngstown Vindicator. And up next, we'll have James Dotson from the Trib Live High School Sports Network over in Western Pennsylvania covering the WPIAL. All right, now we are joined by James Dotson from Trib Live over in Western Pennsylvania, my partner in high school basketball this past season in Newcastle and WKST. And uh, we're going to just check in with James, see what's going on uh, this year. So, James, what's uh, how you been, first and foremost? And uh, what's what's on your horizon here for the high school football season? Oh, I've been doing all right, Tim. It's uh, you know sad that summer's coming to an end, but that also means, uh, besides the fact I need to start making lesson plans again, that yes, I need to uh, be heading out to the football uh, fields, get to uh, get to the gridirons every Friday night, which uh, doesn't uh, doesn't bother me whatsoever. I'd like to be staying more in Lawrence County like I did last year, but it seems like we'll be. Uh, Going a bit of everywhere with uh, with Trib Live, which is also fun to go and see lots of new teams across Western Pennsylvania. Obviously, last year you were with uh, WJST, doing more most of the season with Lee Moan, my former partner, uh, a few years back. What what's going on with the uh, with the Forever Broadcasting this year for you and uh, Lee? And will you two be joining uh, forces again this season? Well, sadly, we won't be joining forces uh, through Forever. Uh, this year, uh, WJST, now uh, WUZZ, uh, will not be doing the uh, local county games like they did last year. So uh, with that, you know, with the uh, uh, 1200 being part of the uh, Trib Live High School Sports Network, we're still uh, in touch with our good friend Don Rebel down there. And uh, Lee and I will hopefully be still uh, a team more often than not, but uh, it won't just be in the county. It'll be uh, all across uh, the WPIAL. So, uh, again, it gets us a chance to uh, – to see a few more teams maybe than we've seen the past couple of years. And uh, at the same time, yeah, a little more travel, but no problem with that. On Friday nights, uh, I'll go wherever the good game is. Yeah, you're, you're kind of like me. I have the old uh, mantra, have Mike, will travel. Right. And you know what? I still remember the, the first game I ever did with Trib Live, with the old uh, MSA Sports Network at that point. Uh, I think I went an hour and 30, hour and 45 minutes to be able to get to my first game. And, and you know, uh, any other job you might have said, uh, is that really worth it? Oh, it was worth it. And I've uh, been hooked ever since. And uh, you know, wherever they want to send me, I'll, I'll gladly go. As, uh, well, unless they don't want me to get to a four o'clock start down in West Virginia. But that's another story. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a distance. Uh, I've gone down there a couple times myself to do things. But let's talk about Trib Live for a second. For those who are listening or not familiar with it, even though we did promote it last year during the high school basketball season, talk about what Trib Live is and, and your involvement in it. Well, Trib Live, originally MSA Sports Network, and actually before that, the Nauticom Sports Network, has been going on for, I believe this is year number 20 now, uh, that the network has uh has existed. Uh, Don Rebel was the guy who uh, originated it, still runs the network. 
um, <clears throat> in his 20th year and pretty much just covering high school sports in the WPIAL, Western Pennsylvania Interscholastic Athletic League. Uh, so pretty much, especially football, basketball, baseball, and softball, um, covering uh, all sorts of events and also the exclusive rights holder uh, to all of the uh, events, uh, all the playoff events, I should say, for uh, for all WPIL playoff and championship events. So uh, was really uh, fortunate MSA had to uh, uh, almost disband last year, didn't think that the season was going to continue. And luckily enough, uh, uh, Trib Live, when Trib Live, the uh, newspaper, the Tribune Review uh, in Pittsburgh, ended up uh, taking over as the primary uh, sponsor and the title sponsor of our uh, of our network kept us going and allows us to uh, go and continue broadcasting uh, audio and now getting a lot more into online video streaming uh, of broadcasts uh, of all these events and what's really cool too is that it's not just internet broadcast but it's also connected in a lot of the um, radio stations are affiliated under Trib Live, which is how uh, you and I have gotten involved with them uh, through WKST in Newcastle, for example, radio stations in Butler, in Washington County, all across western Pennsylvania that are a part of this big network. And it just uh, makes it a lot of fun to be able to go and, and talk with uh, colleagues and you know be, be able to go and find, like I said, new teams every single week. Uh, if you check them out, it's tribhssn.triblive.com, the Trib Live High School Sports Network. There you go. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal thing to be involved in. Uh, I've uh, been in and out of the network over the years, uh, broadcasting high school sports. And uh, when it was the Nauticom, they did expand over into Ohio for a season and was able to uh, be part of that. And then rejoin the, the, the old MSA uh, when I had the opportunity to fill in uh, over there for, uh, for one year in uh, Lawrence County. And then of course, last year it became Trib Live, and uh, we did the high school uh, basketball season together. Speaking about the high school basketball season, obviously a new season coming up, not that far away. I know football's just begun, but I'm already looking forward to the possibility of uh, doing it this year with you again. Uh, talk about uh, where Newcastle is, and you know, being the WPIL defending champion this year, they had a lot of graduation from uh, the team. Uh, what do you expect to, to see out of a uh, the uh, Red Hurricanes this year? Well, you never can tell. I mean, two years ago, they won the WPIL championship, lost four out of their five starters. They really only went six deep. Wasn't expecting much uh, from the team the next year, or at least, you know, some struggles compared to some of the years they had had. And what do they do? They just improved throughout the season like we saw, and uh, really fun to watch them go and get that back-to-back championship. Uh, now they've graduated 10 more seniors, but they have a whole other uh, crop coming through. Uh, the freshman and sophomore class, uh, from last year, now the sophomore and junior class uh, coming up this year, uh, really strong, uh, undefeated seasons in, in the uh, uh, in the ninth grade season, and a uh, very strong record in the JV season. So uh, safe to say, uh, the pedigree that Coach Blundo has there uh, with the Canes, uh, they're going to be aggressive. It's going to be the same looking team in your face, pressure, and uh, some somebody new is going to step up. You're going to hear new names you maybe haven't heard of before, and uh, that's just the way that they like it. Who's going to step up on this day, this this week, this season? And uh, no matter what, you know that you're going to be uh, probably facing 20 turnovers when you face the Canes. So uh, it'll be up and down, frenetic pace uh, like they always do, and it would not surprise me if they make another run towards a WPIL championship. Speaking of uh, high school sports, let's uh, turn the page right back to uh, football real quickly here, James. Uh, talk about some of the uh, the schools in Lawrence County this year who you think 
may uh, be either a surprise or uh, maybe a contender uh, for their uh, league championship and uh, make a make a run to uh, to Pittsburgh this year. Uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting scenarios going on. One of the teams uh, is Mohawk, a team that they only had three seniors on the roster last year. And a very young class, they were forced to, to play as freshmen and sophomores. Last year as juniors, they made playoffs for the first time uh, in over a decade and nearly won their first playoff game, should have won their first playoff game, in, in my opinion. Uh, but they bring back pretty much their entire team. They've worked well in the offseason. Coach really motivates them. Uh, and I think they're a team to really look out for. Uh, they got a, a running back in Braden Cameron. Uh, who, in my mind, he might be touching the ball 30 times per game on average this year. He'll be really fun to watch and see what sort of numbers uh, that he comes up with. Uh, another team, the one that's been kind of the cream of the crop of Lawrence County uh, the past few years is in the Shanick Lancers. And they've made playoffs now for seven straight years, which is really impressive considering the fact that before that seven, they had made it for a grand total of four times in their entire program history over the past 60 years. So uh, it's been a fun turnaround with Coach Mazzocco. They lost almost their entire starting roster, it feels like. They lost quarterback, top running back, top receiver, two or, the, uh, two or three of the top linemen, all gone. But they also have two guys who are coming back this year who could not play last year. They were ruled ineligible due to transfer rules. Uh, their quarterback, uh, six foot six, Jake McCormick, he's getting looks uh, in the uh, in the MAC area, low division one. And their running back, I hear, is uh, really good, Noah Karpiak as well. He's getting some uh, some D two looks. So uh, really interesting to see what kind of uh, offense they can put up there because they like to spread it around, uh, spread offense, really uh, high functioning, high paced. Uh, I think they're a team that, again, is going to put a lot of points on the board, but also rely maybe a little bit more on their defense than they have. And they have one of the best defenses you see in the county as well. But I'll tell you, the surprise team uh, is going to be the Laurel Spartans. Made the playoffs last year. They snuck in with a 3-7 and seven record. Doesn't sound like that should be a playoff team. Uh, but they won their last two games to get into the playoffs, which tells me momentum, which I like. And they were in a lot of close games all throughout the season, battling injuries throughout the entire year as well. In fact, uh, they're a young team as well. Only five uh, seniors, according to Coach Cooper, on this team, two of which did not play a single down of football last year because of injuries during training camp and during scrimmages. And those are guys who they were expecting to have big roles last year, obviously couldn't due to the injury. Now they're coming back with a passion throw that in there with uh, a couple of great athletes like Will Schaefer, a guy who will be not only at wide receiver, but at quarterback a little bit. Uh, just, it's going to be really fun to see them. And he tells me as well, Coach Cooper does, that he's got a couple of freshmen who are surprisingly strong for their age. Normally you see a freshman go in there, hasn't been in the weight room as much as you'd like, tough to put him on the field. He says, no doubt, top five strongest players on the team. Two of them might be freshmen. So keep an eye on Laurel, a team that might be uh, slipping under the radar unexpected this year. Uh, Laurel, one of my favorite places ever to go to. Uh, unbelievable. Real quick story here before we get off. I'm sure you have experienced it uh, as, uh, as the food that is provided for the, uh, for the, uh, the press box. Let's just put it that way. Uh, an amazing, amazing ability that they do there. Uh, the one game I had with Lee about three years ago, they had wedding soup, they had uh, chicken rolls, they had uh, sub sandwiches, they had uh, pumpkin rolls. It was an amazing, amazing thing. I think it was their homecoming day uh, game, and uh, wow. Let me put it this way. No one will ever outclass and, and uh, 
Allura will be a place that I, I recommend highly if you have a chance to cover games, uh, James. I'm sure you've been there. Uh, you oh, definitely yes. need to do it. I, I, I got to give the shout out. It's their assistant athletic director, and uh, she's also the home ec teacher, Mrs. Lori Heights. And not only an amazing you know cook to be able to do all this uh, throughout the week in her home ec classes and getting everything ready, um, but just a phenomenal woman, great, great friend uh, to us as well. And they Absolutely. Always, they, they always treat us like royalty out there. And I got to say, my first time out there, it was pizza night, which means cheese, pep- cheese pizza, pepperoni pizza, buffalo chicken pizza, you know, the works pizza, but also a, um, a meatball pizza, which was surprisingly good. And my favorite of all of them, I can't believe I enjoyed it as much as I did, the chili dog pizza. Wow. Chili dog pizza. Yes. It's, it's kind of surprised by that, too. Sounds completely wrong. I went back for seconds on that one. Wow. <laughs> no, there's no question about it. They do it right over there in Laurel and uh, absolutely wish the Spartans the best season coming up this year. And uh, if you do get a chance to uh, uh, get over there, wish them all wish well for me. And uh, I look forward to uh, maybe t- getting a hold of you during the season, see what's going on over in Western Pennsylvania and keep in touch as we uh, continue to cover all the sports here on Radio MVP. James, Mike, thanks again for coming on on short notice, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. James Dobson from the Trip Live Sports Network. Thanks, Tim. I want to take this opportunity to thank James Dobson for his contribution to today's podcast. As we move back into Ohio, we're going to talk to Ron Potesta from the Sports Animal 1390 about his schedule for this year's high school football season. That's now my opportunity to talk to Ron Potesta from the Sports Animal 1390 here in the Valley, and Ron, high school football is here. Are you ready for the fastest 10 weeks of the year? Yeah, and it comes by uh, real fast, too. I don't know where the heck summer went, Tim, but it it disappeared real fast. And uh, Time to lace them up and play some football now. It really is. It it just flies by. Uh, Obviously, you have uh, working with iHeart now, and uh, talk me about uh, your schedule this year. Well, all of our games are going to be on the Sports Animal 1390 this fall. We've shifted our high school football coverage to the Sports Animal as the Indians will be on uh, 570 WKBN throughout the fall and hopefully a very deep run into the postseason, which will take up all of October, fingers crossed. Um, so all of our coverage will be on the Sports Animal 1390. And, Tim, for the first time, uh, we are going to have six hours of high school football every Friday night. Um, our coverage will start at 6 o'clock. There's a terrific show uh, from the Ohio News Network that we pick up. One of the voices from Ohio State, Skip Mossick, does an outstanding job previewing the upcoming weekend in high school football statewide. So we put on his show, and then I'll come on, uh, and it, just basically to let everyone know what's going on, not only on the Ohio side, but also on the western Pennsylvania side of things for the upcoming Friday night of high school football. We'll go to our game site at halftime. Uh, We'll go back to the studio. We'll update everyone on the scores that we have. And after the football game is over, that's when the fun's going to start on the Sports Animal 1390. As We're going to be on the air doing scores every 15 minutes all the way up to 12 midnight. So from 6 p.m. until 12 midnight, every Friday night, it's going to be high school football and nothing but high school football on the Sports Animal 1390. Now, if that wasn't enough, we come back on Saturday morning 
and do a Saturday morning high school football show from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. And sometimes we'll be on until 10.30. It just depends on when Ohio State plays their games. If they have a 12 noon game, their pregame show starts at 10.30. So we'll go on from 8 to 10.30 and make the seamless transition from our high school football show into Buckeyes football. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun covering all this uh, high school football. As you know, the Valley loves it. And uh, what's your first game of the year? Thursday night, we'll be at uh, Firestorm Park in Columbiana. Western Reserve is taking on the Columbiana Clippers. Uh, there's going to be a military feel to uh, Thursday's game. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of military hardware is going to be there, a lot of uh, presence from the uh, veterans, and, and we're looking forward to some really good high school football. Western Reserve and Columbiana, two teams that are both expecting to do some things in Division 6. Friday night will be in Lakeview. Uh, Howland will be taking on the Lakeview Bulldogs. Last season, Lakeview was upset by Howland in week number one out at Howland High School. Lakeview looking for a little retribution this Friday night. And then Saturday night, Ursuline will take the trip up to Cleveland to take on Benedictine, and we'll broadcast that game from Benedictine. So that's a nice full weekend to start the season. Got to love that as uh, you can hear all that action on the Sports Animal. 1390, as Ron has mentioned. Ron, real quick here, I want to get your opinion on the the latest development on the competitive uh, nature of high school football. We had the injunction down in Cincinnati. What do you uh, what, what's your make of that, and what's your opinions going on with the competitive balance issues here in Ohio? You know, I talked with Tim Street last week when I was filling in for Munch Bishop on the show, and Tim is confident that the lawyers hired by the OHSAA are going to be able to combat whatever the uh, ruling was from Hamilton County. And again, this is all this is all on the uh, Cincinnati Athletic League, which uh, I believe I got it right. It's a uh, parochial school league down in Cincinnati that is very much against the competitive balance. Uh, now, if this ruling happens to stick. There is a possibility, albeit slim right now, but apparently there's already rumblings that this may potentially create a split between the parochial schools and the public schools, which hopefully it doesn't get to that point because if it does, uh, it will signify the end of high school football in this state as we know it. And my guess is uh, if, if this nightmare becomes a reality, our football will suffer greatly. Um, I am a proponent of public schools and private schools all playing together uh, because I just I think it, it would be a complete waste of time for us statewide if we had it separate. It, it, it would not do uh, our state very well, and our football would suffer greatly if it happened. But uh, Tim Street believes that uh, they they think that they'll be able to come back. Uh, the decision that was made down in Hamilton County and everything is going to be okay, but it's certainly something that we're going to have to look at. There's no question about it. I'm kind of in the same uh, position as you are on that. I just honestly have uh, got an old-school kind of mentality. Uh, I love seeing the the privates and the public schools uh, battle it out. Uh, it is an issue that a lot of public schools have uh have big concerns over the last uh, 10, 15 years, and there's there's an answer to this 
to the solution. Exactly what it is, I'm not sure what what will come down from it. It's only an injunction. It's not a ruling yet, so we'll just have to wait and see how this all uh, really falls out here in the next week or so. I'm not sure the exact timetable on that down in Cincinnati, but we'll uh, just keep an eye on that and hope for the best here for uh, the state of Ohio. And unfortunately, this is kind of a thing that has uh, creeped in a lot of states, this competitive balance issue. I know Pennsylvania has been battling it and others uh, in the last few years. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all washes out in the next few weeks. Well, I think it's the, the right thing to do. Competitive balance is is the right thing to do. It's It's going to curtail all of the activities with open enrollment, which I think is one of the most ludicrous things that's ever gone down the pike uh, in, in public schools. Uh, you know, I mean, this is just my personal opinion, Tim. Uh, once a kid gets out of eighth grade and into high school, uh, the parents of this, of this child have two options, actually three options. You either stay in your school, you go to a Christian school, or you go to a parochial school. That's ultimately how this should play out. Uh, I am not a fan of of open enrollment. I think open enrollment was created uh, by and large for education purposes, and unfortunately they've turned what is potentially a decent idea into into something that is just completely un it's unrecognizable. It's when when did our when did our values change from having a child getting a good education to having a child uh, becoming more important and, or more involved in sports than in education. That, that, to me, is just absurd. Now, having said that, open enrollment is also the perfect uh, counter to the parochial schools and the quote-unquote recruiting. So if, if you're going to have open enrollment, then let's have it where, once again, if a, if a child finishes eighth grade and they go into ninth grade, then the parents have this responsibility. You either keep your child in the school system that you're in or you go to another school system. Now, for me, preferably, it should be the next school system over. You shouldn't have to go across town. You shouldn't have to go 30, 40 miles down the road because you have, quote, unquote, open enrollment. Open enrollment should only be a certain area, much like recruiting in in uh, uh, Catholic schools should only be in an assigned area. I'm a big proponent that Catholic schools should have their feeder schools, and they should have the schools that are in their quote-unquote district as outlined by the diocese from the from the town. Uh, in, in Youngstown, the Mahoning River separates Cardinal Mooney from Ursuline. Those south of the river go to Cardinal Mooney. Those north of the river go to Ursuline. I think that if we if we make sure that the Catholic schools stay in their lane in terms of quote unquote recruiting, and the public schools stay in their lane in in regards to quote unquote open enrollment, then I think this is a perfect situation. Unfortunately, the world ain't perfect, and a lot of people like to cheat. Perfectly well stated there, uh, my friend. And uh, we take this opportunity. Thank you again for uh, coming on the podcast, and we look forward to talking to you during this season and. Uh, in the future as uh, we continue to cover sports here in the Mahoning Valley. Always a pleasure, my brother. That is Ron Patessa from the Sports Animal 1390 here in the Valley. As the high school football preview continues here on RadioMVP.com, 
Let's head back over to Western Pennsylvania and up to Erie, PA to talk to Ray Reinstorp. He is the voice of McDowell Trojans High School football as Ray and I go back about 10 years covering high school football and basketball in Western PA. We talk about a lot of different subjects, including previewing the McDowell High School football season and also talking about their two games against Ohio opponents as they'll be taking on Austintown Fitch and the Boardman Spartans. So let's get to my conversation with Ray Reinstorf, the voice of McDowell High School Trojans. Now is my opportunity to bring in a good friend of mine from Western Pennsylvania over in the Erie and District 10 district in high school football is Ray Reinstorf. Ray and I go back over close to 10 years now in covering high school football and basketball and plus uh, some stuff in Meville over the years. But Ray currently is the play-by-play voice of Erie McDowell. And let me welcome Ray into the podcast and we'll get a little update about Erie tonight. Uh, with uh, what's going on with the McDowell Trojans and go from there. Hey, Ray, how are you doing today? Awesome, Tim. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. So football season's just around the corner, and this is my uh, quick little preview for all my uh, listeners out there on Radio MVP. And what I like to do is uh, just get an idea about each school that is in our area and people we've talked to in the past. And obviously, Ray, you're one of my favorites to talk to in uh, Western Pennsylvania and talk about Erie McDowell. I know last year was kind of a rebuilding year, so there's got to be kind of high expectations coming into this season. First off, I can't believe it's here already. I I think maybe this summer more than any, it is really caught up (laughs) with me as far as, wow, next week, we're starting next week as you know, when we're, we're taping this and uh, the season opener will be uh, at Seneca Valley uh, team that they were able to add uh, to their and and really now McDowell has a lot of teams to their quote unquote non conference schedule because they've only got two region games now with uh, District Ten redoing the regions once again you have eight regions now and Region Eight includes just McDowell Erie and Cathedral Prep and which is a good thing for all three schools because now they get to go out and find non-region opponents that are more suited to their size. Because you've got McDowell and Erie that are 6A schools. You've got Cathedral Prep, obviously, that is a football powerhouse, back-to-back state championships in 4A. And it'll be a lot – it's a lot of fun for us calling the games because now you get to – we've already known with McDowell that they've always loaded up their their non-region schedule. Uh, This year we get to see the likes of Boardman. Mentioned Seneca Valley is a new opponent. Austintown Fitch, they've played year in, year out for uh, the last, I think, five years. Uh, a couple, uh, another team out of Canada, like uh, last year. Uh, this year will be a different opponent. It'll be Toronto West Prep. And then two teams that McDowell's been playing the last few years, uh, a couple of Catholic schools out of New York, St. Francis and St. Joe's. So uh, my, I personally, I love the crossover games against Ohio as of my time spent in Ohio, and you and I have talked about it on, on our previous uh, uh, meeting during one of these podcasts. Um, you know, it, it's fun when PA and Ohio gets together. It is. It, it goes back to the old uh, Big 33 game and other uh, all-star games that they've had between the two states in the last, uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And, you know, one of the things I really love about that interstate 
uh, rivalries as you get is that it does build a rivalry between schools. I, I mean, what McDowell has with going on with Austintown Fitch right now for the last five years, that builds a history and it gives, you know, a, a rivalry game besides, you know, the, the school that's next door to you, like Borman Fitch, you know, our two rival schools have played each other for a hundred years, but, but, you know, they, that's right next door to each other. And I know McDowell has that within the city of, of Erie in the region, but it's nice to have something to look forward to that is um, kind of different than the rest of the uh, the schedule and say, you know, this matters. You know, this is something that we want to put a feather in our hat. This is something, a trophy we want to put on our, our, our trophy case type thing is that we have defeated these uh, schools X amount of times or we faced them over the last 10 years and won seven or eight games, whatever they may be. Uh, I think that's, that's it's a fun thing. It's a great challenge too because, you know, one thing about – football and especially playoff football and I'm sure you know is one of the hardest things for these young athletes to deal with is getting on a bus and driving you know maybe 90 minutes or longer and then getting off and getting ready to play a football game so if you get do it once or twice during the regular season even if it's not even that far it might be only an hour it still represents that same type of feeling that you know you're getting ready for a ball game at your own high school you get on the bus you travel you're going to a you know a, a school district that you're not familiar with, you're getting yourself, you know, acclimated to the to the stadium and to the field, and then you're getting ready to play with them with you know an hour or two from a, a rival. So, I think there's a lot of advantages when you can assimilate that type of thing during the season. Absolutely, this it should be an intriguing year. And you mentioned, yeah, last year was a, a, a tad bit of a rebuilding year. McDowell got on a nice little roll in the second half of the season after some growing pains and then lost a, a heartbreaking game in the first ever 6A D10 title game against, of course, the new configuration of Erie High, which was uh, for folks that maybe didn't hear our previous podcast and are new to this. There were three teams in the city of Erie. You had Strong Vincent, you had Erie East, and you had Central Tech all consolidated into one high school. And so that created finally a, a 6A opponent for McDowell to play in the District 10 postseason. And uh, although McDowell ended up coming out on the wrong end of that, that's one of the greatest football games I've ever been a part of. And the Trojans were leading the game by six and were about to go in for essentially what would have been the game-winning touchdown. And a bad read option exchange between the quarterback and running back uh, – created a fumble that Erie recovered at their own seven-yard line. And uh, the Royals would go on an epic 93-yard drive. And their senior quarterback last year, Jason Williams, scored on a quarterback keeper from three yards away with one second left in the game. And the extra point would end up being the difference, and Erie would win the game 35-34. And uh, some of the previews uh, from some of the local television stations, I got to credit uh, Craig Smiley and Jet24, who obviously do a tremendous job. Uh, you know, the, one of the first things they talked about in the preview is that, you know, McDowell is, they've got a bad taste in their mouth from that. And these kids, they're moving on, but they're not forgetting. And Coach Orlando stated that uh, really it all started in the weight room in January. And I believe they're going to use that as a building block for the season. But again, graduation hit McDowell pretty hard. And they're going to have a, a lot of especially uh, offensive skill players to replace. So we'll see uh, what transpires with that. 
So have you had a chance to see them play during the uh, preview, the exhibition type games, the uh, scrimmages that they are allowed to have now? I did attend the seven on seven tournament that McDowell hosted uh, the last week of July. And there were several teams involved in that. In fact, uh, what was, what was fun about seeing that was seeing the new, uh, uh, the new David Hamlin complex across the street that they built, which is another full-length turf football field. And they actually had both Gus Anderson Field and the new Hamlin Complex. They were going back and forth. These teams were going back and forth between the two complexes because they had several schools during the 7-on-7 tournament. Uh, you know, offensively, the good thing about what McDowell runs now is you've got kids that are all – they've been coming up through the lower ranks – that are familiar with the system. And again, like I mentioned, there should be growing pains. The one positive thing this season coming in is that you've got a good chunk of your offensive line back. And with injuries last year and the year before, a lot of these younger players have had the opportunity to play on the offensive line. So now you have uh, Deshaun Jackson, who's an absolute beast coming back as a junior as a tackle. Connor Bone, Angel Dinacola, Logan Mitten, just to mention a few of them are all kids that saw time starting on the O-line last year. So you know how it is. Your interior is so key in the sport of football. So to have that back, you can build around that. Now, I I mentioned from the offensive skill position uh, point of view, you lost uh, your quarterback, Regan Schleicher. He transferred to Cathedral Prep. Uh, Xavier Pulliam, who ended up fifth on McDowell's all-time rushing list, he graduated. All of the starting receivers from last year graduated. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity for a lot of young, younger players to take over those spots. Now, at the quarterback position right now, uh, it's been a battle between a, a couple of different players. You have uh, Reagan Krebs, you have Chris Yukno, and you have Mark Soboleski, the former head coach Mark Soboleski's son, competing for that job as well. It'll be uh, Braden Soboleski. Uh, Mark Soboleski was the coach at McDowell before uh, Coach Orlando took over. He was an assistant at General McLean the last few years and is now back on McDowell staff. In fact, Coach Orlando has three former head coaches on his staff uh, coming into this season, which will be intriguing as well when you have, you have former Seneca head coach Dave Frank, whose team went 9-2 and two last year. You have uh, former Strong Vincent head coach Chris Spooner on the staff. And as I just mentioned, uh, of course, Mark Sobolewski, who was the head coach at Central Tech and then at McDowell uh, in the early 2000s, coached the likes of uh, James Conner when he was at McDowell. That's a heck of an experience uh, coaching staff that uh, McDowell has this year. Uh, it's sure. a good fortune opportunity for them to really build and you know take advantage of all that uh, experience that they have. And I think that's going to be, like you said, an interesting mix that they're going to have coming into this year. Talk about the defense there for McDowell this year. Obviously, you know, you had graduation and everything going on, but how did the defense look? I know it was 7-7 drills type thing, but how's the defense looking for the Trojans this year? The defense are bringing back a, a good amount of experience, and, and the player that uh, will be one of the more exciting players to watch is going to be linebacker Sebastian Mubarak, uh, who returns for his senior year. Uh, battled some injuries last year, but – um, a kid that's just one of those sideline-to-sideline side kids and is a beast, and I think he's going to anchor that defense. And, again, 
you know, and, and there's been a little bit of a transition in that department from the coaching staff too. Matt Melly, who was a tremendous uh, defensive coordinator, um, is now at Mercyhurst. And so they've made the switch. Aaron Slocum now, who's been an assistant on Coach Orlando's staff, and Coach Orlando and Coach Slocum have been coaching together for a long time now. He makes the move to defensive coordinator. So we'll see how that transition goes. But, um, you know, there are a lot of players coming back on the defensive side of the ball that uh, that saw time last year. You have Jackson McLaughlin coming back. You have Dominic Ferraro. Uh, uh, those are a couple of linebackers. And Alex Belak on the defensive line who had a nice year. Connor Bone, uh, who can play both offensive line and the interior defensive line, along with Angel Di Nicola. Uh, so, and uh, Zach uh, Edmiston as well. So, we'll, we'll see. Uh, again, you know, now with the, the way the, the PIAA has the whole week zero, a whole lot of us refuse to refer to it as week zero because it's just, it's just a funny thing to, to say and an to odd say. thing to say. But you have that option now of either having the two scrimmages and playing into that re- your regular season into that first week of November or having the one scrimmage and going right into the regular season like most of the teams up here in district 10 are doing so you have the one scrimmage and you're going right into the regular season uh on august 24th when mcdowell opens up at seneca valley yeah i it is odd to say uh week zero and i know that went in effect a few years back and uh i was quite uh surprised when i heard how they uh, did it i'm not sure why you know i I understand why they have it that way because you have some schools possibly not participating in uh in a game scenario versus a, a scrimmage, and that's why, but it, it makes no sense. But, you know, hey, high school football, you never know what you're going to hear. Uh, you know that as much as I do. Talk about, uh, right, just where you're going to be uh, on this year. I know it'll be the internet broadcast, I believe, this season. Talk about where we can uh, find uh, McDowell football this season. Yeah, once again, it will be carried on uh, WWCB, uh, which is a radio station out of Corey. But again, uh, Bill Stafford uh, and I have worked together back from our Erie Explosion, which was an indoor football franchise in Erie for uh, a few years. And uh, uh, just working with Bill on that end, Bill owned the team and I did television broadcasts for them. And we have a great relationship. And when we were looking for an outlet to, to move McDowell football to last year, what what uh, Bill's organization brings to us is the opportunity. Uh, they have multiple streams on their website and they also have a mobile app that you can get through google play and we do the mcdowell games on stream number two and they they sound terrific uh with the broadband internet and it's a lot of fun uh this will be my fourth season covering uh my alma mater and i'm really proud i work with a terrific analyst in brett Pryor, who is now the uh, the head coach at westlake middle school so he is in the program and brings a great perspective to the broadcast because especially now, uh, since it'll be our fourth year doing the games together, a lot of these kids that are playing for the Trojans now at the varsity level are kids that he coached at the middle school. Uh, McDowell has three middle schools between J.S. Wilson, Westlake, and Walnut Creek. So uh, to get his perspective on the broadcast, he does a terrific job. But, yeah, you can go to www.cbradio.com and access it there, or you could download the mobile application and just hit Stream 2 on the mobile app and listen to the games live. 
every Friday night. Should be a, a fun season. Really, you know, McDowell already knows their postseason fate. They will play Erie High twice, once in the regular season, and then once. And what's interesting now is that District 10 title game in the last week of October will be at Gus Anderson Field. McDowell and Erie agreed last year with the game being at Veterans Stadium to start doing it as a home-and-home because with the rest of District 10, some teams are still playing in the regular season. Some teams are playing in the postseason that last week of October. So trying to find a neutral site for that game becomes problematic. So the two teams decided just to go to a home-and-home format with it now since it will be as long as both teams are still 6A, which with their enrollment is not going to change anytime soon to go, they decided to go to the home and home format. So that will be fun this year. And that's actually a great compromise by the two schools. You got to tip your hat to both of them for coming up with a simple solution that a lot of times in, in high school sports, you can't find. And that just is absolutely, I tip my hat on that. That makes so much sense just to do the home and home or home and away type series. I should say each, uh, each year for that playoff game, because the way it's, it's situated in uh District 10 is, you know, it's a committee to choose it, but there's not that many uh, with six teams available in District 10. So, yeah, like you mentioned, you know who's going to make the playoffs ahead of time, and then they're going to just play it off from there and then get into the state tournament once they uh, the District 10 uh, championship is decided. So it's a format. Each, as you know, region has its own district and how it works. Uh, from the Whipple to District 10 to District 6. There's so many other ones uh, in the state of Pennsylvania going east to west. So it's it's an interesting format that that the uh, the schools have to deal with. And uh, it's nice to see two schools recognizing a simple solution and getting it done. Sure, sure, because when you look at it, you've got other classifications now since they made the jump to 6A. There are other classifications that are going to be in the postseason that week as well, while some schools are still playing in the regular season. But a lot of the, the neutral site facilities, Slippery Rock, Edinburgh, uh, Wilmington, General McLean, just to name a few of them, more than likely are going to have games. Uh, the new Cathedral Prep Event Center as well, uh, their football field. So th- those, they might be hosting playoff games at all those facilities. And then you have, you know, two big schools in McDowell and Erie. You need a lot of parking. Uh, and that's something that we're doing the home and home, although it's always tricky parking when you go to games at Veterans Stadium. It holds 10,000 people. It's just, like you said, it's a great compromise. And, and I think it'll work well uh, throughout the history of that series. Last year's game taking place at Veterans Stadium, and this year's game will be at Gus Anderson Field. So both teams know, and uh, usually the – when when you win that District 10 title game, your opponent in the PIAA sub-region round is a very tough state college team. And uh, Erie found that out last year uh, after winning the District 10 title, losing to State College 48-12 in that sub-regional round. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's usually always – the, the little Lions are usually waiting for you after you get out of District 10, and they're a tough opponent. And uh, McDowell uh, has not beaten them uh, since they had the likes of James Conner. Uh, in their lineup uh, back in uh, 2012. Uh, And then I believe it was the year after as well when uh, McDowell's last win. In fact, you know, I've got the, I've got the record book right in front of me. I'm cheating of course, but uh, I can do that. 
it would have been, yeah, it would have been that 2012 season, the last time McDowell beat State College in the postseason. Then they beat Mifflin County the following year in 2013, which was uh, Coach Sobolewski's last year's head coach, Coach Orlando, taking over in 2014. But the 2012 game I mentioned was when uh, James Conner went absolutely nuts against State College in that game. Amazing. You know what? I'm going to tell you the truth. There's no cheating anymore as we get older. We just can't. <laughs> Every year kind of rolls right into the other, and we can't remember if it was a 12 or 13 or maybe it was 11. Uh, they all they all run together after a while. So there's no cheating in this world when it comes to uh, checking our facts about what game and what year they played. Because I know darn well I get that moment. I'll be doing this podcast with my, my friend Anthony, and I'll be saying, you know, and, and I'm trying to think of the year or the team, and I'm like, yeah, well, it was it was within that three four range. I know exactly what you're talking about. It happens as as, as it all kind of melts together as the years go by. I was going to say I, I got to find out who to give proper credit to for this because Coach Orlando actually just sent this to me. It gets updated uh, at the end of every season, but uh, this great uh, Excel file uh, that has the complete history of McDowell football, uh, you know, all the individual statistical records, all the years, the head coaches, the the history of all the games against Cathedral Prep. It is amazing. And I keep it on the computer uh, throughout the season as well, uh, you know, to try to give, you know, some of these uh, great young men proper credit when they pass certain individuals on certain all-time lists. And uh, I, I've got to find out who puts this together because they deserve to, to be credited for it because it is uh, truly uh, a, a wonderful uh, piece of work uh, that keeps the history of McDowell football right at our fingertips. Now, that's wonderful. I was going to say uh, two things here, uh, Ray, uh, quickly uh, before we wrap up. I know they have a, a tough schedule. Uh, obviously, they got the two schools in Ohio, and you got uh, Austintown Fitch week two, and I think following with uh, Bourbon week three. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, uh, the Bourbon will be in week four. Austin Town Fitch is going to be a home game on October the 12th. Now, uh, the interesting thing about that series with Austin Town Fitch, McDowell has struggled against Fitch in Austin Town the last couple of seasons. In fact, they haven't scored <laughs> the last two times they played there. But the games at Gus Anderson Field, the last two meetings between them have both been overtime McDowell wins. So if the, uh, the trend continues, that should be a dandy on October 12th of, over at Gus Anderson Field. Uh, Boardman, that'll be a trip to Boardman for the Trojans September 14th. In fact, McDowell has uh, four consecutive road games in their schedule in the middle portion of the season, although Erie and Cathedral Prep, you can call them road games, but they're just right down the road at Veterans Stadium. Uh, Erie High obviously plays their home games there. Cathedral Prep opts to play the game against McDowell at Veterans Stadium every year to accommodate the crowd size because you can get anywhere between five to 8,000 for that game. So they have that game at Veterans Stadium when it's Cathedral Prep's home game. All right, excellent. Ray, thanks again for your time. Quickly, once again, where can you find the stream? And uh, one other thing real quick before you do that, uh, you have a coach's show again this year? Uh, yes. And that will be every uh, Tuesday night at 6 o'clock on uh, WWCB. In fact, it will be, I mentioned that the McDowell games are on stream too. The coaches show you can listen to on any of the streams because they actually broadcast it over the airwaves on uh, 1370 AM uh, in the Cory area. But it's it's accessible uh, along all uh, four of the streams. And we do it from 
Otis 12 Bar and Grill uh, in Mill Creek, which if you if you come to Erie and you're looking for a place to have some wings, uh, incredible wings, uh, constantly winning awards for their wings, and a tremendous uh, place to eat and just sit and, uh, you know, if you're coming into town, you want to watch some NFL football or some college football, go there on a Saturday or a Sunday. It's a terrific place on, uh, on West 12th Street. And uh, we will have the coaches show once again. I want to thank them because they're, quite frankly, their sponsorship is what gets us on the air. And that coaches show will be done throughout the regular season and the playoffs every Tuesday at 6 o'clock. And Coach Orlando uh, usually comes on for about the first half an hour, and then we have a player of the week, and then – one of the assistant coaches usually comes on and talks to us for uh, the final segment of the show. So it's, it's a, a lot of fun and it's very enjoyable. And Tim, I uh, just wanted to, to, to mention real quick, if you don't mind, uh, before we wrap things up on this podcast, I just wanted to get your opinion uh, about, and I know we were both uh, uh, tweeting about this right before the taping of this, was the decision of the uh, court in Hamilton County to place a temporary restraining order on the OHSAA's competitive balance formula with a lot of those schools in that area. The, uh, I believe it was the, uh, most of the teams out there like Roger Bacon and the GCL, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, going to court against the competitive balance format. Yeah, I'm actually kind of, I hate seeing anything in the court system, but I'm kind of glad because I think the competitive uh, formula system, you know, is kind of ridiculous. Uh, I, I understand there are, there's a side that wants a, uh, parochial versus a public school segment where they rather have the two divided. I personally do not. I just believe one boy equals one boy. And, uh, you know, they, they do it from 10th grade, you know, nine, 10 and 11th grade, that type of thing. And let it, let it be, you know, this is how it's been done for years. Uh, I'm glad that the injunction got in place. We'll see if they reformulate it and make it more, more uh, representative uh, for these schools. I don't think it's necessary to have the competitive balance issue. I know there's, there's concerns and that concern is, is real, but I don't think that's the way to do it. I think what you have, and, and I've said it for years, a lot of whining uh, in, from schools that say I deserve to win a championship versus actually earning it on the field. And that just irritates me because in the end, uh, you got you got to perform on the field and do the job, and you have to build a program, and that's what it's all about. And if you're going to do the groundwork, you can do it at any school. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen at a parochial school. I've seen it happen at a public school. And when the the infrastructure falls apart, usually the school you know ability to win falls apart. But when they have the structure, they win. And you know, a lot of this has to do with open enrollment here in Ohio now, which has really changed the game. Not necessarily the parochial schools, so they do. Obviously, you know, certain players do uh, travel from school to school. But I think, if anything, if you put a limit on that, that would be the smart thing the, the states can do. Other than a, a, a family truly moving from one city to another, uh, I honestly or, you know, I don't necessarily think – that's the answer is through competitive uh, thing. So we'll see how this works out through the courts. I'm not, I, and again, I'm not, I've never been a fan of that. I think it's kind of ridiculous. And to me, it's always been just uh, coaches whining, saying I, I, I deserve to win a championship when they haven't done it. 
it's interesting because it, as you've probably seen, uh, you know, we the the PIAA their structure has been challenged, and it goes all the way back to to 1972 when it was actually the General Assembly that forced the PIAA to take privates, non-boundary, whatever you want to call them, schools into the PIAA. And uh, now you're at a point where you have public schools going to state college, a lot of them on the western side of the state, and having a meeting and talking about the possibility of a nuclear option of leaving the PIAA and forming their own uh, public school athletic association. So that's why the Ohio story was so interesting for me. Yeah, because that's my concern. With, that's my biggest concern is the split of the two, yeah. the two uh, schools. And like I said, I I understand the, the thought process, and and there are some schools who take higher advantage of it than others. There's no question about that. And you experienced it over in Western Pennsylvania, and I've seen it too, uh, in both states. But the truth of the matter is open enrollment in Ohio has really changed the game. And there are school districts today that lose maybe up to 30% of their students to their neighboring school district because they literally reach out across the line and say, come to our school. We'll take your money, your taxes out of that district and put it into ours. And that's how we fund our schools by siphoning off one district to another. And it's just, it's a bad system in Ohio right now in education. And that's one of the, the biggest leaks it has is open enrollment because what you do is you take the uh, tax base from one community and move it to another. And in athletics, it's, it plays its role because if you are in a weaker school district and you see the neighboring school district having uh, the funds and the necessity and the coaching staff, uh, you know, a player who's 16 years old says, you know, if I go across this line, I'm, I'm only going maybe 10, 15 minutes longer to get to school every day. And I'm going to be competitive. And that's what everyone wants. So that's the dealing with the politics side in Ohio is going to be really difficult because open enrollment has really been a game changer in the last 25 years. And it really has put the seed that you may see that split someday of public and private. And, Quite honestly, I don't want to see it. I've always been a person to say you line up and play and uh, let the best team win. And that's the challenge sometimes is to play a, a team that is uh, potentially a little bit more talented. But as you know, as I know, anytime you line up, upsets do happen each and every Friday night. Sure. And, and I'll close uh, with the, the – the, in the PIAA, the, really the, the problem uh, – with the charter school situation has a rose and I think that's helped create this. And, you know, we'll see it, it's uh, I, I line up somewhere in the middle in the whole situation because I can see the point of public schools saying, you know, we keep losing kids from our, our district to these other schools. I, I'm with you. Sometimes instead of whining, you just try to line up and beat them. Uh, I see that point of view too. I, I, for, want to want to continue to do even more research on the situation but in the PIAA just put in much stricter transfer laws for a lot of these kids I'm not going to get into all the specifics of them because I know we're getting ready to wrap things up but uh, 
this is going to be an ongoing thing, really, in both states. That's going to be interesting to see what transpires down the road. But uh, it's hard for me to formulate a total opinion on how I feel about it because I want to continue to learn and see specific examples of how it works on both sides. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's probably the, the best way to look at it because there is argument on each side. And I, I truly agree with that. I just, the competitor in me says just line up and play and, and don't worry about it. There's another side of me that says there's there's got to be a an answer to this that makes sense for both sides. And instead of blaming one another, let's come to the table, let's make it work. And let's not just try to uh, take advantage of one over the other. And that, to me, is the di- most difficult thing today in, in anything that you're doing with multiple uh, personalities and uh, needs for and, and money and economics right now is, is to come to the side with good faith. We'll see what happens. I know in PA, correct me if I'm wrong, new transfer rules is they play for the first half of the year, but they must sit out the second half of the year. Uh, there's a couple of, uh, of criterias. Uh, one you have a mandatory 21-day sit-out for in-season transfers. Um, there is a provision uh, transferring student who was eligible to participate in 50%, the maximum number of contests before transfer, is not eligible that season. That comes off the, uh, the, the Newman-Goretti story from last year where they had a young lady who played an entire season in Virginia transfer to Pennsylvania and play in the postseason. And that was... I think yeah, one of the firestorms that led to what ended up happening in the PIAA, looking into competitive balance and restructuring the way transfers, especially in-season transfers, are done. But uh, one of the big things as part of this is there's a one-year postseason ban for students who transfer after completing their 10th grade season, unless they get the hardship provision passed where they will look at some of these on a case by case basis and just determine if there is, you know, let's say a family moves because of a job change, something along those lines where it's actually looked at as a legitimate transfer, not somebody who is transferring specifically on athletic intent. They may go ahead and approve that transfer on a case by case basis. All right. Hey, Ray, I appreciate your time this afternoon and wish you the best of luck covering uh, McDowell this season. I look forward to maybe having the opportunity to run into you if we have that opportunity. Sure. If not, uh, have a great season. We'll talk to you during the season on the podcast again, get an update on McDowell. And of course, I want to thank you right now. Last year, you provided us with highlights on the uh, scoreboard show for a few different times. And uh, my uh, invitation to you is... Anytime you want to send us highlights, we'll put it on the show. Well, Tim, thank you so much. And it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend, and look forward to doing this again. We could probably do everything that we just discussed in about the last 10 minutes. You could probably do a whole entire podcast on uh, with the situation. I'm glad now we discussed it, but I'm glad now that we can just concentrate on football. Let's just get the the darn games going and let's play. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, especially against uh, you know some of the teams in your backyard with Boardman and Off the Town Fitch, uh, uh, that 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 should be fun. Hopefully, our paths cross, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll shoot you some of those highlights. And I hope the, the folks out there, if you're you know a fan of either one of those schools, and you don't uh, have coverage in your area, you want to check out our broadcast. Uh, check us out on the 14th 
of September and on the 12th with the games against Boardman and Austin Town Fitch. But, Tim, uh, take care of yourself, my friend, and always a pleasure talking to you. That's Ray Reinsdorf. My thanks to him for coming on the podcast here today, previewing Erie McDowell High School football season in 2018. As the high school football preview continues here on RadioMVP.com, it's now the time to check in with Jim Craven. He is the game analyst for Sports Radio 1240 WBBW this year. He'll be calling the games along with play-by-play man Mark Means. Jim and I get into discussion about their schedule this season covering high school football in the Valley. Plus, we talk a little Cleveland Browns. We also discuss Jim's digital radio station, WesternReserveRadio.com. So sit back, enjoy this conversation with Jim Craven, the game analyst for WBBW Sports Radio 1240 here in the Valley. Now it's an opportunity to bring in a good friend of mine, Jim Craven from WBBW High School Football and, of course, the Western Reserve Digital Radio Network. And, my friend, how are you doing tonight? Outstanding. Getting ready for some football, finally. It is that time of the year. Are you ready for the fastest 10 weeks of the year? I don't know if we're ready for it or not, but it's going to come. And I'll tell you, it is truly the fastest 10 weeks. And I uh, kind of hate to see summer go by, but, boy, I tell you, nothing better than the smell of fall and uh, a fresh, brand-new football season. I've been asking everybody the same question. Are you ready for the, the fastest 10 weeks of the season? Because, you know, you start in August, like we're about to do this weekend. And, you know, it'll be a nice evening, maybe some rain, maybe not, hopefully not, but it'll probably be, you know, in the 60s and 70s, and you'll enjoy the evening. And then 10 weeks later, it'll be 25 degrees, and you'll be wondering, where was that warm weather? Yeah, we're probably going to experience every type of weather that you can think of in northeastern Ohio in the next 10 weeks, but we're going to start out with it nice and warm, and right now it looks like it's probably going to be in the lower 80s, uh, partly cloudy. Right now they're saying not much of a chance of rain, and hopefully that sticks around. This will be, what, your third year with Mark? Indeed, it will be three years. How fast did that go? I know. And just for those who are listening, you know, not familiar with what I'm talking about, Mark Gaines, the sports director and play-by-play man for WBBW 1240, the sports radio of the Valley, has been covering sports for, uh, I think you said, 23 straight years now. And you have been his partner for the last three uh, seasons. Talk about uh, your first game coming up Friday. Uh, so you start your games this Friday. Who's your game Friday? Uh, we're going to have Kent McKinley at Warren Harding. Uh, same game we kicked off with last year. Should be a great game between two big schools. Oh, wow. What a great opener. Uh, two historic schools in the uh, in the state. Both won uh, state titles over the years and have uh, had a dates back what, close to 50 years or more. Yeah, it's gone back for some time. Again, these are two of the biggest schools, especially after uh, Reserve and Harding combined. Uh, it became even bigger, but they've had a lot of success between the two. Stanton McKinley came away with the win last year. Harding had an, uh, an unusually uh, down year last year, but they're look, looking to bounce back. Of course, they lost Lynn Bowden uh, to graduation last year, so they were trying to find somebody to make up for him on that, but a lot more, uh, a lot more experience on this team now, and I think they're going to compete a little bit better with Kent McKinley. Let's talk about you, Jim. Obviously, you have, in your football background, you have a, a unique uh, perspective to the game because not only have you uh, played, you know, uh, recently, but you've also been an official in, at the ball games, and 
uh, just talk about how you how you view the ball game and and what you bring to the uh, the broadcast of Mark. Well, I, I'll tell you, football pretty much lasts all year long for us. Uh, after playing in high school, I was off for a lot of years. Had the opportunity to get back involved at the semi-pro level, and, and did that for many years. But uh, you, know, you can't do that forever. So I also became a uh, state certified football official in Ohio. And uh, did some varsity, did some JV games, so on. So you got to see a little bit of the development and, and uh, what happens at each level. And uh, so, hey, and I'll certainly that gives you a different perspective. You know, you, we're always so harsh on the officials, and they're, they're kind of the guys that we love to hate. So I, I like to think that I bring a little bit more insight to that. You know, what they're focusing on this year. Of course, uh, the concussion issue has been uh, big for at least the last four or five years. Uh, speaking conservatively. Uh, but this year, you know, you're seeing a lot more about the unnecessary hits, uh, lowering the head, using the helmet. So there's going to be a lot of focus on that. And uh, hopefully we won't see a whole lot of that. I, I can see them take away from the game. But uh, I'll try to bring you a little insight during the game when everybody's trying to give the guys in strikes a hard time. Yeah, it should be really an interesting uh, listen to this year with that perspective. And give me an opportunity to listen to it for the first time in a while myself. Uh, I've got to uh, obviously listen to you and Mark during the uh, the semi-pro season, and now here we go into the high school season. Talk about some of the uh, the featured games on WBBW this year. Well, like we said, we'll kick off with McKinley at Warren. Uh, excuse me, Kent McKinley at Warren Harding. We expect that to be a big game. We will also have a, a lot of uh, rivalry games this year, and some of these games are going to be in there last year because of changes in conference, changes in league, things of that effect. Uh, we'll also have Crestview at South Range. That's always a great game. Uh, they played twice last year, South Range coming away with both wins, one in the regular season and one in the playoff. Uh, we're also going to see, for uh, for me, it's going to be the first time I get to see McDonald, and that will be at Springfield. And that is always a great game, and I'll tell you, we love going to Springfield. They treat us so well up there. Uh, just a great crew of people. Uh, one of the games that we will see that is going to end this year, the series, is Struthers at Camel. They are not scheduled for the 2019 season uh, for various reasons. So there's a, I, I guess, a lot of bragging rights going on with that, a lot of talk going back and forth between the teams. So I think uh, despite the fact that Struthers has owned that series in recent years, I think that's going to be a lot closer. And that's going to be a Campbell Memorial Stadium. Hopefully we're going to have a great crowd for that. Uh, we'll have a Thursday night game also, I believe, uh, for Niles McKinley at Howland. So that's a local battle there. They always get a little testy in that game, but it's always a, a great, it's great competitiveness there, and we'll certainly be looking forward to going to Howland for that one. Old Steel Valley uh, Conference uh, battle this year, Boardman at Austin Town Fitch. We'll get to see that. Of course, they were in the Steel Valley Conference mid to, uh, early, mid-90s, maybe a little bit before that, if I recall my history correctly. And we're going to round out the season with Poland at Canfield, and that has been a heated rivalry for many years, the Battle of 224. However, 2018 will be the last time they are scheduled to play. That doesn't mean they won't be able to down the road schedule it as, an, I believe, an out-of-conference or out-of-league game, but uh, certainly that's going to be a big one. That's going to be at Canfield High School. Canfield coming away with a big 37 to win, or excuse me, 37 to nothing win over Poland last year as uh, Canfield had a great season headed into the playoffs. Poland looking to rebound from a down four and six season, uh, but overall the schedule I just tell you outstanding from top to bottom, and uh, I am certainly looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be a great coverage of the valley, and what I love most about your schedule is it's really a game of the week each week. I mean, it's not just 
the All American Conference. It's it's everybody in between, and you know, like you said, you go down into Columbiana County for a, a couple of great rivalry games. You come back up, go into Trumbull County, like you are to open the uh, the season with Harding, and it is a, a a nice section of the next ten weeks of covering high school football on uh, WBBW. Take a quick moment, and uh, I want you to promote your radio station, Western Reserve Digital Radio. I know that it has been a uh, pet project of you for about the last year. Talk about what you, you're doing with that and uh, maybe some of the things that you have uh, in, in the pipeline for the uh, Western Reserve Digital Radio. Oh, yeah, something that has grown, uh, I don't want to say unexpectedly. You know, we were hoping that it was going to happen, but it's developed so fast, uh, bringing a lot of the, sport, uh, the minor league sports uh, uh, teams are from around here. We, uh, of course, you can hear the Cleveland Cobras on here. Uh, we've had some of the high school all-star games. We love covering those guys as they round out their college careers. Uh, and just in our, la- our daily uh, programming, a lot of local programming now, Fight Night in Youngstown with uh, Brian Wan. So he- and he's covering boxing from Cleveland to Youngstown to Pittsburgh and in that region because boxing, contrary to what many think or many have heard, is not dead and it's very popular right now. And this- we're coming into, uh, I guess, what boxing considers our prime season as everybody starts to do a little bit more of the indoor thing. Uh, also, we have the Corrupted Files radio guys, uh, Justin Silvestri, Alan McGath. They come in, they talk about everything. A lot of fun. We have a good time. It's a lighthearted look at all kinds of, I guess, different subjects, depending on what you're in the mood for that day. And, of course, uh, just recently we've had now the Browns Backers show with Dan Naughton, the president of the Youngstown Browns Backers. And uh, we, we've been fortunate with that. Uh, we uh, actually had Eric Metcalf on the show last week. And we're looking forward to having some more of the players and staff uh, as the season goes on, especially with all the excitement that uh, the Browns are experiencing right now, which I hope is more than just excitement and it turns into actual, uh, I guess, quality-type wins here, or any wins for that matter, in the 2018 season. Yeah, let's break open that cooler that they're advertising uh, for the Browns. You know, the Bud Light cooler all in the, uh, when they went up in Cleveland because uh, that'll be a, a momentous uh, part of the uh, football season to uh, break that losing streak. Unfortunately, our Brownies have uh, suffered through for the last uh, really two years. It's it's, it's an amazing uh, strain. And, oh, I think everybody has hope for uh, a bright future with Tyrod uh, Taylor in the game running uh, the show this year. Yeah, certainly uh, a change from last year with two quarterbacks that uh, people are actually – you know, split on who should be starting. Uh, Terod Taylor, of course, taking the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs last year, uh, their first time since, I believe, uh, 2000. So that was a big feat for him. Uh, however, you know, he, he's in Cleveland now with Baker Mayfield. Of course, you're going to have the contingency that wants Baker to start, but uh, I, I think they're doing the right thing. That plan is going ahead with him as the backup. Uh, let him learn for a year, see the good things, see the bad things, and try to make uh, make that team his own. But for this year... I think they're doing a great job. I think John Dorsey has turned that around uh, just from an attitude standpoint. And, of course, you know, uh, watching the, uh, watching them chronicle this with the Hard Knock series on HBO has been absolutely fun. Yeah, that's uh, been an amazing thing to watch. I've never been much of a reality guy, but HBO has done a phenomenal job with that show and, and really showcasing the uh, different players and the different storylines that have gone on uh, this spring uh, training system for the Browns uh, has really been a uh, 
an eye-opening experience because I never really watched it before, and it is a uh, really a well-produced TV show. But again, a TV show not necessarily based in reality. Uh, I keep reminding myself that as you watch this because they have a storyline and they have a reason for it, and that's the uh, kind of catch us all in. And but it's been a, it's been an amazing experience being a Browns fan to watch that show. Yeah, and I'll tell you, for the people in this area, that's been a lot of fun because you have a connection to that team. You talk to so many people that have been to the training camps and to the other events, and they've gotten to meet these guys and know them, and they've seen the evolution of the team uh, from you know January, February when John Dorsey came in till now. So it's been a lot of fun to look at some things on TV. And uh, actually, our Dan Naughton from the Browns Backer Show was on there, uh, he and his son. So that that was kind of cool. But you have that connection there, and it's a lot of fun to be able to point out, hey, I know that guy, we've met, we've been to that spot, and uh, they again, they, like you said, they've done a great job covering it. I'm sure the storylines are somewhat manipulated to a degree, but for the most part, uh, you know, I, I think they're spot on, and the one thing that I've heard that I absolutely love is the Hard Knocks crew said this is the most serious camp that they've covered ever in the history of Hard Knocks, so that is great to hear. Yeah, it really is. We'll get back to high school football real quick here, Jim, before we wrap it up. Uh, when does the uh, pregame begin for WBBW on Friday night, and what is the plan for each and every Friday for Sports Radio 1240? Yeah, you can catch the game on Sports Radio 1240 as well as WBBW.com and the Sports Radio 1240 app. Uh, we'll have pregame show starting at 5 o'clock with AJ. And I can't pronounce his last time, name most of the time, so it's just AJ. He's kind of like Madonna. But That's all I ever called him was just AJ. So AJ back on the board, handling all the dials. Is he, I used he is to that famous. He, he doesn't even need a last name. So we'll uh, you'll hear from Mark and I from uh, from the site at 5:40, and we'll be on with uh, AJ till about 5:54, and then from there uh, we'll catch some of the other uh, pregame activities in the valley, and at 6:30. You can hear Mark and I as we get ready to kick off for uh, high school football, and that'll be a 7 o'clock kickoff. Uh, Friday, definitely be 7 o'clock kickoff with Kent McKinley and Warren Harding. So, again, we're absolutely looking forward to it. This is the best time of year, uh, other than the fact that, you know, you know it's going to probably start getting a little colder. Yeah, fall is here, but that means it's football season. And, Jim, thanks again for coming on the podcast, talking about high school football, coverage on Sports Radio 1240. I want to wish you and Mark the best this season, and hopefully our paths will cross uh, throughout the year. I look forward to it, and I absolutely hope that happens. Um, Again, best time of the year in the Valley, so a lot to do. Once again, thanks Jim Cravens from WBBW Sports Radio 1240. That's our podcast here for today here on RadioMVP.com. Hope you enjoyed our high school football preview. My thanks goes out to Steve Ruman from the Youngstown Vindicator, James Dawson from Trib Live, Ray Reinstorp from WWCB, Ron Potessa from the Sports Animal, and Jim Craven from Sports Radio 1240. Don't forget to check us out on the internet at RadioMVP.com, and all our podcasts are available right there on our website. Plus, you can find them anywhere you download podcasts, including Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and if you get this through Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and review and help us to grow Radio MVP. Till episode 49 of the Sports Podcast, I'm Tim Contenezza. Have a great day, everyone.